that's the power of video is like if a picture tells a thousand words a video tells like a million words you know because they can see who you are your credibility is built very quickly and so when they inquire i've always said it's a bit like jumping straight to a third date they already know you a little bit and now i'm actually just getting to know them yeah i think video is definitely a channel worth thinking about you know what is some advice i can share via video whether it's like quick tips and things or maybe it's screencasting like what i'm doing answering questions there's loads of ways you can use video but i think it's a very effective channel yeah Welcome to Level Up Your Course, where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to create learning that transforms lives. You will hear stories from business owners like you who share their success and their struggles. This is not where you come to hear passive income myths, friend. This is where you learn the truth about building a profitable learning platform. I am your host, Janelle Allen, and this is today's episode. Hey family, it's Janelle. I just wanted to come on really quickly to give you a heads up about something. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that there is one question that I ask every guest, and it is a popular question. That is, how would they prepare for the zombie apocalypse? And I realize that that question might hit a little too close to home for a lot of us right now. So if you think that that question might trigger some things, you might want to fast forward because it is asked in this episode. The episode was recorded before the coronavirus situation hit. So just wanted to give you a heads up. Let's get back into it. What's up, everyone? Today, I'm speaking with Paul Miners, founder of paulminers.com, productivity expert, virtual consultant, and course creator, if that wasn't enough. Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, Janelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you. I know we've been planning to have this conversation for a while. So before we get into all of the questions, I, you know, we have a tradition on the show, Paul. I have five quick questions to help listeners get to know you. Ready? Okay. Yeah, ready. All right. So number one, what did you have for breakfast? Um, Like a crunchy muesli thing with yogurt. Okay, cool. And I should mention, you know, Paul, you're in Australia, right? So it's New Zealand. New Zealand, that's right. It's 8 a.m. there at the time. (laughs) So that's a timely question. A day ahead as well. Gotcha. Okay, number two, (laughs) what is the last rule that you broke? The last rule? Uh, Oh, gosh, I can't think of anything. (laughs) The last rule that I broke. I don't know. We might have to circle back to that. I'll try and think of it as we're coming in. I'll I'll try and think of it by the end. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That one always stops people. All right. Number three, this is a serious question. It's also a timely question. So the zombie apocalypse has officially hit. (laughs) (laughs) You have six minutes to grab three essential items to get you and your family through. Not people. All of your loved ones are good. What three items do you pick? Oh, good question. I would probably pick um, some kind of board game. My my first reaction, actually, I'll talk you through my thought process. I was like, oh, my laptop, my phone. And then I'm like, well, zombie apocalypse, there might not be power. There's probably no internet. So those, and I'm not going to be working. So those things I don't need. Probably a board game of some sort. If we're all, if my friends and family are there, we can have a really good time. Probably take, um, I, we, my friends and I really love playing Secret Hitler, which is this role-playing game, a bit like Mafia or Werewolf, where there's like people in the group are baddies and you have to work out who the bad people are. So I'd probably take some kind of board game. My Rubik's Cube as well, because I can see that right in front of me. 
Anything entertaining, as you can see, there's a theme here. Anything entertain, uh, anything that's going to keep me entertained. What else? Let's take something practical, probably a book. There's some books on the shelf behind me. I'd probably look at the bookshelf and maybe quickly try and decide what I haven't read in a while that's going to keep me entertained um, as well. Okay. So let the record show Paul is taking his Rubik's Cube, a board game, and a book. We didn't mention water. We didn't mention weapons. <laughs> so. No, what? I figure I'll find those things as I go. Like As you uh, go? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love as, asking that question. All right. Fill in the blank. When I was a kid, I wanted to be blank. I wanted to be an inventor. Okay. Um, which And it came about after... Actually, there was two things that came to mind. One of them was an inventor. That was after I watched the Disney movie Flubber um, with with uh, Robin Williams. I was like, wow, that looks fun. I want to invent things, which kind of is, I don't invent things, but I create things for my like yeah. horses and things. So I kind of, in a very loose sense, did that. Um, the other thing was an astronaut. And that came about, I don't know why, but I watched the movie Apollo 13, which if you've mm-hmm. watched the movie, you know it's like a space mission gone horribly wrong. They nearly die. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, I watched that and thought I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah, you thought that looks fun. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number five. What is the hardest lesson you have learned as an entrepreneur so far? Uh, the hardest lesson is probably um, it's probably something around like cultivating discipline and patience. Actually, patience would be the big one is like particularly when getting started, like it takes, it takes time to kind of figure out what works to find your niche, your speciality. You're going to have so many ideas and you're going to fail so many times. And I think the hardest lesson is around developing that patience and sticking at it long enough. I mean, now being a a few years down the line, I'm really glad that I did, but I think a lot of people in the beginning, it's very easy to feel disheartened when you have an idea and it doesn't, it doesn't go the way you want. That was a big lesson for me is learning the, I guess, the importance of patience. And so even now I'm still trying new things all the time. If something doesn't work, I'm like, okay, that's fine. We'll move on. We'll try, try yeah. something else. Yeah, that's been a really, really important lesson. I love that you said that just, you know, as we kind of come out of those questions, because that's very real. And I think that you're right. A lot of people do think I'm going to jump in. I'm going to have this idea. I know it's going to work and I'm going to be, you know, making six or seven figures within six months. And sometimes, you know, but most times that's not how it goes. There's a lot, there's a big learning curve if you have never been an entrepreneur before. Yeah. So especially online, there's a lot to learn. So thank you for saying that. All right. Before we get out of the the rapid five, I'm going to come back. Did you think of a rule that you broke? A rule? I'm trying to think it's probably something around... Um, well recently, so I've been having an issue with my wrist. I'm actually having surgery on my wrist next week. Um, so for people that don't know me, I'm a big CrossFit fan and my wife and I, we just love being active, go to the CrossFit gym a lot. And six months ago, I started having an issue with my wrist. I've got a ganglion, which is like a little cyst. It's nothing serious, but it's a little cyst. Basically it needs to be cut out. And so I'm actually having that done next week. But the rules I've kind of been breaking recently is like, just doing more at the gym, even though yeah. I know I shouldn't. It's not really a rule that I'm breaking, but it's definitely something I know I shouldn't do because I'm like, well, I'm having surgery in two weeks. It's going to get fixed soon anyway. So if I hurt <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's, that's, I guess, maybe like a, maybe not a rule, but definitely something I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That counts. We'll take that one. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. What, what were you doing before you started your online business? Yeah, so I'm from a marketing background. So I studied um, at university. I did a Bachelor of Commerce and majored in marketing and entrepreneurship. I always knew that I wanted to work for myself. Like 
from when I was a teenager, basically, I knew that I wanted to run a run a company. And actually, mm-hmm. my goals really changed. Like when I was younger at university, I wanted to run a big, successful company, have a big product, make the next Facebook, make millions of dollars. And my my goals there have really changed. And um, and so I, I spent a few years working in marketing at an e-commerce store here in New Zealand, which was really good. Gave me a lot of foundational knowledge around online marketing, SEO, AdWords, social email, just a really good base of lots of different types of online marketing. I then spent about 18 months working with a friend of mine at a mortgage broking company. And even though it wasn't my area, I actually trained as a mortgage advisor, mm-hmm. which was really interesting and, and spent um, some time helping in that business. And during that time, when I was working as an advisor, I was I was starting my business, my blog, trying to sell some online products and courses and things and having, a you know, getting my first few sales, which was really exciting. I still remember when I made my first sale online and it was a Saturday morning and I was very, uh, very excited. I ran into the bedroom <laughs> where my wife was still asleep and I'd made $10 from the sale of an ebook and some videos and things. And it was just mind blowing to me that something I had made on my yeah. computer and it was a PDF. It's not even a physical thing. It was a PDF and some videos. And I'd sent somebody a link and they'd paid me $10 through PayPal. When that, the first time that happened, my mind was blown and it was like, I can't believe that just happened. And it was really exciting. And what was I saying? And so, yeah, <laughs> I made my first few sales. I was working in, in mortgages, but I was thinking my goal in the beginning was I'm going to make a course. I'm going to be like Pat Flynn or, or one of these other online people. And I'm going to make a really good passive income business. But and my goal at the time was I just need to make like four or five grand a month or three grand a month, I think was my target to just be able to quit my job. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what's something I can do short term maybe to get to that figure so I can quit? And I thought, well, maybe there's some freelancing or consulting that I can do. And I was thinking about different skills that I had. And I landed on Asana. Uh, Asana, which is a project management tool, it, I actually had some experience in my marketing job at the, the website where I'd rolled out the tool to the company and trained everyone on how to use it. My boss had even paid me a bonus at the time because it was so impactful. And I remembered this and I was thinking, huh, I wonder if other people would be willing to pay for this, this kind of support. Um, my assumption was like, nah, they're just going to go online. They're going to learn for free like I did. But I didn't realize that there are business owners who don't have time. They want someone to hold their hand through it and teach them how to use these tools. Yeah. And so I started um, reaching out to people and uh, going on a few directories and things to get to market myself as a, an Asana consultant. And it kind of it started just to just take off. I got up my first few bookings. And um, and I started teaching people about Asana. And within a few months, like fairly quickly, I was able to get to that sort of 3K a month figure um, and I could justify quitting my job. And that's when I left in December 2016. And I went sort of full time on my own business. And then I started doing the same with Pipedrive, which is a sales CRM that I'd been using at my mortgage at the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. And I thought these are just tools that I personally use every single day. I know how to use them really well. I feel like I can communicate really clearly. That's actually something my boss had said is you actually have a really good way of explaining these things. You, you can you're actually quite a good teacher. And so yeah, I started just consulting, helping companies with these tools, and it really snowballed into the business that I that I have today. And uh, so my business is a combination of consulting, helping companies with these tools, but I also have some products and courses that I sell. I earn an affiliate income off the back of these these products, and so it's all just really grown from from that uh, mm-hmm. pretty humble beginning. Yeah, yeah, I love that you took that step, but you know, because a lot of people, they want to jump straight into courses. And so what was it that gave you, because you you mentioned you wanted to, you initially were going to sell products. What was it yep. about everything that made you realize, oh, I'm going to start by being a virtual consultant? 
Well, I had tried the products before for Mm -hmm. even a year or two. And I tried, and these are going back to what I was saying, like the failures that I had, I tried making a six week productivity program and I met this guy and he agreed to help me run a webinar to his audience. And there were about five attendees and I tried pitching it and uh, got zero interest. Um, So that was my, like a big failure. I tried other products and things that didn't sell. And, um, I mean, at the time of doing this, I had made a course, my first course, and it was getting some traction, but not the three to five grand a month that I needed. And so I was thinking, well, to make a course really work, I need a bigger audience. I need more traffic. I need a bigger list, or I'm going to have to really specialize and create something more niche is the other way to do it. And so I was thinking, well, what's something temporary, something short term I can do to, to free up, to quit my job was the priority. Number one, I just Mm -hmm. want to quit my job. So the consulting was supposed to be a short-term thing just to get that money. And then I would focus on the courses. It ended up being actually the consulting was a really good source of income. So I still do that now, but it has allowed me to quit and I have put more energy into the courses. And so that revenue has grown. But it it was really just a, the courses are going to take time. You're going to need an audience Mm -hmm. and traffic. It's going to take time to make that work. So that's why I decided or thought about what is something else I can do. And consulting and freelancing, you don't even need a website. You could just have a good LinkedIn profile. You could actually, you've all, everyone's got like a skill or some expertise that they could probably monetize. And you can get started consulting very quickly without having to build an audience and create content and market a course and all that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Again, I'm so glad you said that. A lot of people do think they're going to jump right into products. But like you said, there's going to be a learning curve. There may be some failures. And so consulting is great, but it's also great because it helps you to hone a process. This is what I, I talk to people about all the time. You begin to develop a process that you could then turn into your signature course. Yeah. yeah. I, so Speaking of courses, you have a course called How to Be a Virtual Consultant. Tell me about how you made the transition from doing the consulting. And then when was that light bulb moment where you said, I'm going to take this and package it up? Or is that how it even went? Well, I mean, I I still do both, remember. So it's not that I've stopped consulting. It's more just that even after six months or about a year of doing the consulting, I thought there are probably other people that would like to learn what I've done. And so I thought, let me just package this up and... um, one of the key things with courses I think people get in their heads is that creating a course has to be a lot of work. And I don't want to I don't want to say that it's not a, like a, lot, a significant amount of work, but it's probably not as much as you think it is in your head. Mm. And so and, and definitely if you've done a few courses and products, you, you do refine the process a little bit. But I was thinking, OK, I'm doing quite well consulting. There are probably other people out there who would like to learn kind of how I've been able to quit my job through doing this virtual consulting. How let, let me package that up. And so I thought about just planning the content of the course. And then I just started recording videos. And I mean, videos always come quite easily, quite natural to me. So I don't have an issue with that. And um, my goal was just like, I just want to have a course up in the next like four to six weeks. Like I didn't give myself a, a ridiculous time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, maybe it may have even been quicker. Maybe it was four weeks or something. And so that's a, a key thing is it doesn't, you don't have to build it up to be this massive thing in your head. Your first iteration of the course can be fairly straightforward. I actually did pre-sell that course as well. Yeah. And so it was the thought process was yeah, just, yeah, I want to share what I've learned. And that's how I market it today is just, this is the process that I've used. This is how I price my service. This is how I write proposals. And let me just see if other people are interested in this. Mm-hmm. And then what I've actually done more recently, which I'm really pleased to tell you, Janelle, because obviously we worked <laughs> together last year. Yeah. I've now started a an Asana course finally, because with the consulting that I'm doing, I just repeat myself a lot. So I've, in the <laughs> last few weeks, I've launched a course teaching people about how to use Asana. So the goal there is not to, it'll sort of streamline the consulting, I hope. So inst- instead of working with people 
exclusively one-on-one you'll get the course you'll do that to kind of learn the basics then there's group coaching which is where i can really build some efficiencies instead of dealing with each person one-on-one there's going to be group coaching well there is now group coaching twice a week and there are options to buy additional one-on-one sessions if you need to Mm -hmm. so that's something that i'm really hoping is going to be able to help me to be more efficient but actually i can provide more long-term value to my clients as well because you can sign up to the course for a year get group coaching for a year that being able to offer a year of support is really only possible in a group format like that. So that's something I'm I'm really pleased to share with you. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that's been a very recent development. Yeah. How how long has that been live? Um, like maybe maybe three weeks. Okay, so it's brand new. Okay, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. So something that you were talking about just with regards to how to be a virtual consultant is, you know, just being able to, you're still doing the consulting, you have that program and being able to help people in that way. When you kind of launch your courses, one of the things you said was it doesn't have to take a long period of time. I do want to mention that that is true, but for anyone listening, it also depends on how engaged your audience is. So with you, how did you build your audience as you were growing? You know, you started with products, had some failures, decided to do the consulting. How were you building your audience along the way? In terms of like channels and mm-hmm. where, where they actually yeah. come from? Yeah. Probably a couple of key sources would be just organically through Google. Um, something I started doing early on was I, would, I wrote book summaries yeah. uh, of popular productivity, business, um, just self-improvement books that I'd read. And the summaries I actually just wrote for myself personally to be able to recap the book. And I started loading them up and, and they ranked really well. And so it was a good source of traffic. And um, that led to people joining my email list. And I've then used that to try and get them interested in, look, if you're interested in this book about productivity or business, you might be interested in my productivity course or my consulting program. Mm-hmm. So that's been a good source, uh, a good way to build my audience. The other thing has been my YouTube channel. Um, for the last few years, I've been making uh, a lot of videos to market to just about Asana and Pipedrive to more market myself for my consulting, really, to get clients. Yeah. is like, look, let me give you some free advice. And it's amazing. Even though you give out all this free advice, people still want to work with you and have you repeat that advice for them, for their business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It goes to what we talked about earlier before the interview about personalization. There's something about yeah. feeling like you have that one-on-one connection yeah. and people are speaking directly to your situation that is really powerful. Definitely. Yeah. Um, But a nice byproduct of the YouTube channel. I mean, it was just to get more clients, but it has resulted in me growing my audience and affiliate revenue as well is a nice um, byproduct of that. Yeah, it has been. So the YouTube channel has been great. Yeah. So something we're doing new on the show is really digging more into marketing. And so I want to come back and talk about that affiliate piece because you mentioned that a couple of times for anyone who's who's wondering like how the makeup is. But let's kind of switch gears and talk about your course from more of a course design standpoint. So when you launched How to Become a Virtual Consultant, first, the the first run, was it live or did you go ahead and upload into uh, an online course platform? Uh, what did I do? It wasn't even that. It was actually just, and I emulated uh, Nathan Barry, who's the founder of ConvertKit, mm-hmm. back when he yeah. was, um, so I came across him when I think before ConvertKit was a thing. Yeah, he was doing what, like the apps, app development? Yeah, he had an app development course and some videos and things. I actually bought his book, Authority, which is about kind of like what we're talking about, building an audience and products and things. And the way he delivered that was really just, I think he used Gumroad, um, but it was just a a link to some Mm -hmm. files. So with How to Become a Virtual Consultant, I just put a load of videos into a Dropbox file folder and just said, 
here's the link. So when you buy, you go to my Dropbox and you can download the videos and everything. It wasn't even anything as elegant as a yeah. course platform. Um, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, it, it, yes, a course platform is really nice. But to get started, I was just like, let me just do this as quickly and easily as I can. Last year, I then did actually, I set up my own uh, membership area of my website. So I have a, a, a plugin that can restrict content to, unless you've paid for the content. And so that's something I've done uh, more recently. Yeah. But at least for the first few years, I was just delivering it through Dropbox. I love it. What was the reaction? Did you have anyone? Because people are afraid of pushback for doing something like that. Did you have anyone who was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is just in Dropbox? You know, was were there no. any negative reactions? No. I mean, look, sometimes people had issues downloading it. I mean, but you you have the same thing with courses. It's like, oh, I can't log in and I can't access it. Like you have little little issues all the time. Yeah. Um, but no, nobody was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've paid for this course and you're sending me a Dropbox link. There was nothing like that. Like if the content's there, if the content yeah. and, and you're providing value, whether it's a Dropbox link and you're downloading, my theory was just that, uh, and I, a lot of the way I make decisions is what do I like? Mm. And when Nathan, I bought Nathan's product, I was like, oh, wow, this is really nice because I'd signed up to courses before and had the experience where you log in to access the course. But I'd always tried to download the videos because I want to keep it for myself. And there's just something I quite liked about having it on my computer. Yeah. So when Nathan just sent me all the products in a link, I was like, oh, that's really nice. I've just I was going to download it anyway. So, and now I've just got all the downloads. I can keep it. So that was an experience I really liked. So that's just I just thought I'm going to do that for my customers. That way they don't need an Internet connection. They don't have mm -hmm. to worry about logging in. They just kind of download it. So, no, there was no there was no negative pushback. Yeah. Sitting here thinking about that, the part about not needing an Internet connection is huge, especially for people who might be in parts of the country or world who don't have great Internet or just are traveling on the go and learning on the go. So that actually, while some people might look at it and say, oh, that's too simple. The simplicity is what makes it work for more people. Precisely. Think about yeah. It. Yeah. All right. So how has, let's, let's put a timeline on this. What year was it that you launched the first version? Of How to Become a Consultant. Um, that wasn't even my first course, but that launched. So I quit my job in 2016. I launched that halfway through 2017. Gotcha. So how has the program changed over the years? Where is it at now? And what have you learned? I've only really made one major update, which was last year, um, which is just it was an update based on, look, I've been consulting now for a few years. Here's a bunch of new videos to share everything that I've learned in the last few years. And so I just um, recorded some new videos and, and released that to all the customers. And I did obviously move it to the membership area on my website. Um, but those are sort of the two significant changes that I've made. Um, obviously, the, the lessons that I released last year were sort of based on feedback as well. So it was, yeah, what have I learned? What's different in my business? But also, like, what do you want to learn about? And people were asking me about, can you tell me about YouTube? Because it's it's working so well for you. Can you yeah. tell me how to find clients on YouTube? So that was like a lesson that I uh, created based on customer demand, really. Yeah. 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 I've always thought that that was a course that you should have, but that's, <laughs> we're getting, <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. So were there, so you, as far as the lessons that you have, was this really just you kind of, did you survey your audience before you created it? Or was this you just taking everything that you knew and putting it into a course format? It was the latter, um, yeah. which, which may not be the best way to do it. I'll, I'll admit like it was surveying your audience is always like, it's going to be time well spent. But I was just sort of like, let me um, let me just put everything that I know 
into a course and just this is my experience this is what i've learned about mm-hmm. pricing and finding clients and i, I think i'd i'd maybe from if memory serves me correctly sometimes when i'm working on a course in my newsletter like i send out a newsletter every week in the ps i'll say something like oh by the way i'm working on a new course about consulting if there's something particular you're interested in let me know yeah so a very sort of casual way of surveying people it's not like an actual survey but it's sort of like a look this is what i'm working on if you have ideas or if you're interested let me know and i would just get a few email responses and i would just kind of have some a few little conversations so uh, but really it was me just putting in this is what i know about it that's not to say that that's the best way to do it surveying your audience is always a good idea (laughs) it is good but you know what i just recently wrote an article where i told people if you sell a service if you're a consultant or a freelancer and you have a proven process like you've been doing it for a while and you you know how things go that's almost a shortcut for the research you know because your research is your client work right your that's that process that you've honed becomes that research so it i think that it works when you sell a service that you're turning into a course to to take that shortcut 100% agree well that was definitely my experience with the asana course that i've just done it was actually so much easier in a way because i like you said i've been doing this for years I know exactly what, like it took me, I think two hours to plan out the agenda or the, yeah. the lesson lesson structure. And then I was able to start recording pretty quickly because I knew this is these are the questions that people always ask me is how do you do this? And how do you do this? I've been doing it long enough that I know what I'm going to get asked. And then when I was writing the sales page, uh, we were talking before about personalization. I've been using right message to personalize the, the, the page. And so I've set up these segments, uh, one of them being like, What's the what is the um, number one issue you or what is the number one goal you have in using Asana better? And I could mm-hmm. instantly name the top three. I didn't need to ask anyone. I just know yeah. that the top three responses are going to be number one. I, I need to know the best way to set up my account without so that I don't waste time. Number two is I want to learn all the different features so I can use it more effectively. And number three is I want to improve the adoption of my team so that they use it effectively and it's not half half adopted. Yeah. And I. Yeah. agree with what you said. Like I, that was, but that was all based on doing this for like three years. Yeah. 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 So I want to come back and talk about marketing, but before we move on, how is the program structured? I know you said you have, you know, you have the videos. What are the other components? Do you have group calls? Do you have downloads? What else does it look like inside the course? Yeah, with most of my courses, they all are pretty similar structures. So there's the course itself, which is like a number of modules and then lessons within those with the consulting program, there's some templates and things you can get. So like email templates of these are the emails that I use to follow up with clients. There's a proposal template. Some ex- so basically, yeah, some extra downloads like that. I think there's a Google mm-hmm. AdWords, like a keyword planner, which is like an Excel file. Um, so a couple of my courses come with those little kind of extra resources, really like templates and worksheets and things. Um and then what I do is with with my, I have a productivity course and my consulting course. I run a bonus launch where when you join my list for a week, you'll get pitched on this bonus launch. And during that bonus, you will get access to my private Slack community. And so that's something I've really enjoyed putting together and, and building a really tight knit group of customers there. I mean, I would even say like a lot of them are my friends now. It's really awesome. And um, that's a really nice way to connect with people. I think it lowers refunds because you're helping them with the course. And then we actually do a mastermind call every two weeks. I actually just got off it just before this session today. And that's a been, that's just a bonus that I offer with people who buy those products. And, um, that has been, I think for customers, one of the most valuable pieces, like those, not everyone engages in that community. Some people just want the course, but those that do, they get a ton of value, great relationships and friendships out of this community. And I think that's the most valuable part for a lot of people. 
It is. Yeah. Because it can be lonely, you know, yeah. as an entrepreneur, especially an online entrepreneur. So being able to have people that you can connect with, people who can kind of help you stay motivated and share wins with, ask questions of is huge. I think community, people always ask me about courses and the past couple of years, I've been telling people, you know what? Community is the X factor when it comes yeah. to building your business online. Uh, the information, people can find information, but what people are really searching for is that connection and community. So, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about marketing. You mentioned, I want to just start from the top. You mentioned your channels, YouTube being one. Um, I think you also mentioned that you use Google ads. What other marketing channels do you use to get traffic? Gosh, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm actually, I'm, I'm guilty in saying that like, I don't spend that much time on marketing now. Like I, and that's because I'm being a little bit more established now. I think you, mm-hmm. when you're a few years down the line, you benefit from this sort of network effect of like, you've been exposed, like doing interviews like this is great. And people watching this three years from now may discover me. Um, yeah. so, and, and so I think where I am now is where I'm starting to realize the fruit of that labor from years ago, doing interviews like this and writing guest posts for people is something I did mm-hmm. years ago, but I haven't really done in a while. So now like, <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't <laughs> care about marketing. It's just that it's, it's, I'm quite honestly, I'm just often just in my business day to day. My key thing is working with clients. I, my yeah. volume of leads that I get is uh, big enough that I have enough work. I don't need to worry as much about marketing than I, than yeah. I did in the beginning. But now it's the biggest source is, like I said, a YouTube, Google, there is, there are more referrals coming through now. That's important. So clients that are saying, oh yeah, like I found you because my, um, uh, friend recommended you and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask that question a different way for anyone starting out. If you had to recommend one channel based on your experience for marketing, where would you, what would you recommend? Well, the tricky thing with that is it's, it is hard to answer because obviously it is going to vary a lot depending on your expertise and what you're selling in. So yeah, what I'm going to say is kind of, there's a big disclaimer in that the answer here will vary a lot depending on your product or service. However, I do think YouTube is very good because, and I think it achieves a couple of things. Even if you're just doing like a talking head like this, where you're sharing advice, even if your business isn't like a tangible thing or a service, like with my YouTube videos, I'm doing screen sharing. It's very visual. So it lends itself to YouTube very well because people can watch my screen and learn from me. Even if you don't have like a visual, maybe you're more like a business consultant and it's more strategic, the advice you're giving, that would actually still do very well on YouTube. And I think YouTube is good because you can convey credibility very effectively, more so than what you possibly could certainly compared to a written piece of content like a blog post or possibly even than a podcast. Like I think podcasts are great, mm-hmm. but just something about seeing a person on the screen, how they present themselves, how they talk. I feel like you can learn what kind of person somebody is very quickly and and. I hate blowing my own trumpet, but some people have even come to me and said like, oh, I just watched your videos and you just seem like a nice person to work with. So I wanted to reach out <laughs> and that's been really lovely to hear. But yeah. it's, and that's the power of video is like if a picture tells a thousand words, a video tell video tells like a million words, you know, because they can see who you are. Th- your credibility is built very quickly. And so when they inquire, I've always said it's a bit like jumping straight to a third date. They already know you a little bit. And now I'm yeah. actually just getting to know them. Yeah. So I think I think video. Um, 
is definitely a channel worth thinking about. And so thinking about, you know, what is some advice I can share via video, whether it's like quick tips and things, or maybe it's screencasting like what I'm doing, answering questions. There's loads of ways you can use video, but I think it's a very effective channel. Yeah. Yeah. Video is super powerful, uh, but you're right. It does depend on what you do. So and, and also your audience. It's super important to know where your audience is going to seek answers to the types of problems that you can solve. So, for example, you said your content, it lends itself to video, right? If I want to know how to use Asana, I'm pretty much going to go to YouTube. Exactly. And even yeah. if I just search on Google, I'm going to see those YouTube videos pop up and I'm probably going to go there, right? For my audience, it's a mixture, but a lot of my audience really loves a podcast, right? They, they're listening to stuff on the go. And that was something that once I realized, oh, this is huge, it became a focus and saying, okay, this is my primary, but also YouTube is something that I just started. So I'm kind of in that area where I'm going to test out YouTube and see what's what. But I think the long, long and short of it is know your audience, know where they're at, where they're looking for information, and then make that your primary channel. All right. So talking about marketing. So once you mentioned that you, you you use ConvertKit. I don't know if we talked about that, yeah. but, and you're also using right message. So tell us a little bit about uh, what, so ConvertKit is your email service provider. How are, how are things set up once people get onto your site? Are you using funnels? How are you using personalization and why is that important to you? Oh man. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> But when I worked with you last year, obviously, um, I had like a fairly straightforward funnel, which is, you know, people would sign up to get my free, uh, I had a, a productivity blueprint, for example, or a consulting blueprint that you can download. You'd then get pitched on a few videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, you'd uh, not pitched. You'd get a few free videos like, you know, here's some common mistakes to avoid and best practices. So some free content. You would then go into this bonus launch sequence, which is a week long period where for this week you can buy my course. In the first 24 hours, there's a discount. And also there's these bonuses you can get this week. So there's the VIP Slack group that I mentioned. There's some extra downloads and things. And then once once that's complete, you basically go onto my newsletter list, which is my weekly email that goes out with my latest content and, and tips and things. So that was sort of my basic format. And it largely is still the same, but there's a bit more like personalization and and stuff behind the scenes to help improve that. So when I signed up to ConvertKit, I actually signed up to Brennan Dunn's Mastering ConvertKit course as well. And so what he teaches, which I have applied, is like in my initial onboarding where you're delivering those videos is number one, how to score your subscribers. So based on how engaged they are, based on links they're clicking, they're getting scored, like a numerical number is being incremented. Based on that score, if they are deemed as being kind of qualified and engaged, you can put them into a hot or a cold bridge sequence. So if they're really engaged, you'll pitch them on your product sooner. If they're less engaged, you'll maybe deliver more content before pitching them in a few more weeks. So that's something I've I've implemented. Secondly, with personalization, so uh, I survey people. So it's like click here to, to, actually, that's one of the, the, the scoring metrics is if you even fill out the survey, you get your score incremented. But the survey also tells me about what they're interested in. So it's like, um, what's your number one goal with wanting to be more productive? And what do you struggle with right now? That information actually feeds back into ConvertKit. I store that in in, um, some of the custom fields in ConvertKit, which I can later use to personalize my emails. So when I'm I'm pitching that bonus launch, it will say to Janelle, um, this is the toolkit that's going to help you to to develop the right habits and routines so that you can be more productive. However, me going through the course, I might get a different pitch, which is this course is going to teach you how to use different tools and technology to be more productive. So that it's based on what you've already told me in that survey. And so the email itself speaks directly to the problem 
that you've mentioned you have or the goal that you have. Uh, and then secondly, using right message, I can then personalize my website. So when you click through to my product page, rather than just saying the personal productivity toolkit, download it, be more productive, fairly generic, um, or trying to guess the best headline to use, mm-hmm. I can personalize that headline and say, you know, learn how to develop the right habits and routines, or in my case, learn how to use tools and technology. And so it really speaks specifically to that goal or challenge that people have. And I, and I, we said this at the start, it, it gets people to that point where they're reading your copy or reading your email and thinking, wow, Paul wrote this for me. Like he knows what I'm struggling with. Yeah. And I, I can testify to how strong that is because that's why I bought Brennan's course. He had put, he'd segmented me and I was reading this page that was telling me, use your email list to be more efficient, save time in your business. And that's stuff that is important to me. And I bought his course. And so that's, that's the brilliance of personalization is, is you're not having to guess what's the best copy that I can write. It's, well, actually you're going to tell me what you struggle with. And I can use that to create a few different variations of this email. And it might even just be tweaking a paragraph. That's all, that, all we're talking about here is that introductory paragraph might just be different for those different needs. Mm-hmm. And it really does mean that people are so much more engaged. And so that's, um, that's sort of where I've put a lot of effort over the last six months is sort of scoring these people more, um, building that bridge sequence, applying all this personalization. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting to see the growth of segmentation and how, you know, I remember when segmentation was the first name, you know, having the first name field or personalization, rather having the first name field where you emailed people and you used their name and then seeing that grow. And then probably around the time Brennan started Right Message was a lot of conversation around personalization and segmentation. In other words, you have, you know, for anyone listening who's maybe eyes or, or, or ears, maybe <laughs> just kind of going a little haywire, you have different segments in your audience, right? People want different things. But even going deeper, that's where I think the personalization comes in, is even within those segments, there are people who use different language or certain things are important to them and other things aren't as important. So if you can use quizzes or surveys, either with right message or type form or some way of getting that data and being able to then plug it into your marketing, it allows you to speak directly to your potential customer, which increases the likelihood that they're going to do business with you. So it's super powerful and it's kind of cool to see how things are growing. So it's it's complex, though. I think one thing that I would tell people starting out is don't go for that just no. out the gate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like I had, like I said, more of the basic funnel for years. And that was good for, I guess, somebody who's new to, to email marketing. And while you're kind of working out you know, the structure of your, how you're going to pitch this product, like working out that bonus launch, how you're going to kind of um, warm them up and get Mm -hmm. them into this sequence. Trying to go from zero to a hundred miles an hour really quickly is going to be too much. I think, yeah, there's, there's enough to worry about in the beginning, just keep keeping it simple. And then once you've validated, okay, this format running this promotion works really well, I've got the product sorted. That's all good. That's all kind of your first priority. Then personalization that is something that can definitely come in kind of further down the line when you're really kind of trying to dial that lever a bit more specifically and like really, really trying to um, hone in a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adding complexity before you know your audience or have something, a system that's working is just a recipe for overwhelm and and disaster. So I always tell people complexity after simplicity. Have a simple system 
that works, that you know is converting, and then you can optimize it and add in that complexity. Cool. So let's, you know, speaking of your marketing systems, is there one thing that you still would love to implement? Like one marketing thing that you feel you have a gap or a blind spot? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, LinkedIn comes to mind. Yeah. So I think for, for my consulting, like with consulting, you always want to try and get in front of the highest quality clients you can. You know, I, I, I deal with people who are one and two person teams, to medium, small to medium-sized teams of like 10 to 15 people, and then big corporations as well who are like, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus teams. And I think with LinkedIn, it's something I'm not doing at the moment, but there's a good, there would, I, I think there's an opportunity there to really get in front of high quality clients, like maybe bigger directors or CEOs who yeah. of these bigger companies, and I could spend more time on the higher value clients and less on the lower end. So that's definitely something I'm not doing, but I think I probably should be. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, when you started out doing virtual consulting, how did you get in front of clients? Um, Well, like I said, it was uh, Google was was actually one of my biggest channels early on. Mm -hmm. Like, and I I was lucky in a sense because not many people were really doing what I do, like with the Asana consulting. So it's fairly easy to rank organically at the top. So for people searching Asana consultant or Asana expert, I could rank at the top of Google search organically really easily. I then did Google AdWords as well. I put like a few hundred dollars a month into AdWords to just help that along. Um, so that was my number one channel when getting started was actually AdWords. YouTube came a bit later, as well as um, like these expert services. So Clarity is the one that I used in the beginning. Yep. Um, I don't really get much business through it now. It was more of a validation tool where I could list some skills and sort of say, look, these are some skills, some expertise that I have. And people could just book a call with me. And that was something, the first few clients actually came through Clarity and it was a great way to validate the idea and you think, yep, this is working well. People, there's a demand for this. Yeah. Then I did put the money into AdWords and things. You can look, there are other services like Upwork. I'm, I'm a bit hesitant on things like Upwork because I think it's more of a race to the bottom mm-hmm. yeah. um, in terms of pricing. And so I, I generally stay clear of those kind of services. Yeah. Since you mentioned pricing, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the final three questions is as far as pricing uh, is how to be a virtual consultant, for example, how did you approach pricing that program? Yeah, good question. Um Again, it was sort of around thinking about my own experience, like what would I be willing to pay for a course like this? Mm-hmm. And I've always struggled. I mean, there are people pricing much higher than me doing it very successfully. So some that come to mind are uh, Ramit Sethi, mm-hmm. who does his, he does like his own 1K course. I think it's a, when, I, when I looked at it, it was about $1,200. Um, David, I think his name is David Simon Garland, who did the a course about online courses mm-hmm. and he's done ones on webinars again i think it was a similar price and so i'm you know, you know there are people out there doing very well at that sort of price point and you know what maybe i should be pushing more for that but i at the time and it sort of still is my uh, my uh, strategy now is like what would i be willing to pay for a course like this and so that sort of 3 to 500 dollar price point um is sort of where i started and the, the, so the thing that i've done there to try and um not leave money on, uh, not leave money on the table is by always giving people options. Yeah. So to get the basic course, like with how to become a virtual consultant now, I think it's three ninety seven, so four hundred dollars to get the course. There is, oh gosh, I can't remember. There's, there's three options. What is the second option? 
There's three options. I need to. I need to probably go double check. Actually, it might be. You know what? It might be two ninety seven, three ninety seven, and then I think it jumps up to like nine nine seven. So there is about a thousand access to you. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I need to double check, but it's um, it's about that thousand dollar price point, which comes with a few hours of consulting. So obviously, there's a bit of a one on one requirement from me there to be putting into that. But it means that whatever price point you're at, if you're someone that's really budget conscious, you can get the course for like a $300 price point. I don't want to sell it for less than that because like, quite honestly, the value in this course, if this is going to help you to develop a successful business and quit your job, the $300 is is very reasonable. So I don't want to spend less, don't want to charge less than that. Yeah, I actually think it's 400 now. But then yeah, not leaving money on the table. If you have the budget, if you're really willing to take this seriously, you want to work with someone, you can spend $1,000 and you can get access to me if you need to. So I always think that's the power and the beauty of giving people options. Yeah. And just that flexibility, especially, you know, right now we're, we're talking, things are kind of up in the air. So giving people options for cash flow flexibility. So whether it's using, uh, breaking yeah. it up into payments yeah. or a model that I'm, I'm loving right now is seeing people who are providing um, access for a year at a higher price and then yeah. month to month access at a lower price for people who need that flexibility. I love that. Um, and I've been kind of telling my clients, hey, check this out. So. so- <laughs> I, sorry, I'll interject there. So I know that you've been working with a mutual friend, Gareth, yeah. on this with his course. And I've he told me, so I've actually implemented this for Master Asana. So I have nice. a, you can join the course, Master Asana, you can get course updates. There's the Slack community and coaching. You can join for $3.97 per month. Or it's a much better rate if you pay $1.997. It's about half the price, basically. Mm-hmm. If you pay $1.997 for the year. That option also does come with a one-on-one call. So you get the course and everything for a year, much better value than paying monthly, but you also get a one-on-one session. So that's a little extra thing that I put in there because people sometimes want that one-on-one. So that's something that, um, and I'm seeing people go for both options. Some people want, like you said, the flexibility of being able to pay for a month see if they like it. I actually had someone email me this morning. They said, we're going to sign up for a month, see if we like it. And then if we do, Mm -hmm. um, can we upgrade and get the year? And I said, yep, that's absolutely fine. So I think helping people with cash flow like that and and giving them a foot in the door is is a great idea. So I have to thank you because I I think I've indirectly (laughs) borrowed your advice through Gareth. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear that it's working out. I think that when I was first exposed to that, it was with a program that I was looking at uh, for copywriting. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is really, because at that point, it, there's no objections with regards to price unless it's just it, completely out of budget, right? If you want to do month to month, you have this option. If you want, you know, all the bells and whistles, you have that option. So I'm glad to hear that you've implemented it. Cool. So we are down to the final three questions. Um, before we get there, any final insights on creating courses or marketing courses? Um, I guess I'll just go back and repeat what I said at the start. So patience is really important, like just sticking at it, trying different things. You're going to have a load of failures along the way. So the patience is really important, but also consistency is another word that I really like. So with whatever you decide to do in terms of your marketing, you will always be rewarded for being consistent. So whether you are saying, right, I'm going to do YouTube, like I'm a few years down the line with it, I find that I get good rankings, good traffic through YouTube now, but it is the result of being consistent. Platforms like YouTube tend to have some kind of, there's a piece of their algorithm that says like, if Paul is producing good regular content, we're going to rank him more. And I think yeah. I think that's fairly common with different social platforms and things is consistency is always good, not just from like a technical algorithm point of view, but even just your own, your ability to hone your message, get better at making content. The more you do it, the better you will become at making videos, at speaking. Um, I was saying before, I feel like my, the success of my business now 
comes down to how clearly I can communicate an idea. And so it's, it's a skill that I've always had in mind. Before I even started videos, before I started writing, even just when I was talking to clients, I was like, to be a good consultant, I can't ramble. I need to be able to share an idea and answer somebody's problem in as few words as I can. Yeah. That's So just communicating clearly is a skill that has always been very important to me that has transferred into how I produce videos and things. And the more I've produced videos and, con- and blog posts and writing, I, th- I feel like the more refined and minimal it has become without sacrificing the content itself. And so that's, again, where the consistency is really important, bringing this full circle, is that the more practice you get, the better you get at it. And um, and so I would really encourage people just rather than just doing a couple of videos and then feeling disheartened, oh, it's not working, I'm not getting clients, stick at it. Patience and consistency, yeah. yeah. And it also builds trust with your audience. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the part that I definitely want to bring into this conversation is because as you, once you, your audience or people see you showing up, it builds trust. And in my opinion, it also builds your authority because it, it makes it seem like, oh, okay, this person is serious. Yeah. They're not just fly by night. They're showing up, delivering value every week. Let me check them out and see what else they they have to offer. Yeah. I mean, with my videos, you can go back, you can see Asana videos from me mm-hmm. years ago and Asana looks really different. And people sometimes comment like, wow, yours looks really different to mine. And I have to say, no, 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 this was from three <laughs> years ago. But I think you're, you're right. When you, when people see, oh, he's been doing this for a while. Okay. He is somebody I want to work with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's get into the final three questions. The first one is easy. What is next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Well, I'm actually, just this week, I, I started working on a new Pipedrive course. So basically what I just did for Asana, I'm now doing for Pipedrive. So I'm putting together the course. I'll be doing the group coaching and everything like that. So short term, that's my goal. And that's, I guess, part of a bigger picture. And my goal is to really sort of streamline my consulting this year, particularly on the lower end clients, um, to be able to offer this course that says, look, this is everything you're going to need. There's group coaching. There's the ability to book one-on-ones if you need to. I think having those two courses set up will really help me to save some time. Yeah. And because um, I just find I've been a victim of my own success in a way. My calendar gets quite booked up, and which is a great problem to have. But um, part of the reason you get into business in the first place is to have some freedom. And so um, that's part of the goal of the uh, working on these, these courses this year is to try and uh, get back some free time on my calendar. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, just head to my website, paulminers.com. Miners is spelled M-I-N-O-R-S. And uh, everything that I do is up there. Cool. Last question, Paul. What is your why? Why do you get up and do this work? Oh, great question. I actually did (laughs) spend a lot of time um, kind of finding my why a few years ago. I actually wrote it down. I, I, I could try and find it. But from memory, my why statement, if you like, is like, I believe in um, trying to improve myself and others through being more productive, through having good systems and tools and technology that allow us to achieve more. Really, I, I love helping people, whether it's individuals or businesses, to like realize their full potential. And I think what I do with helping people to be more efficient with productivity, building a consulting business, using Asana, Pipedrive, it's all really just about optimization and helping people to be more efficient so that you can build that business that you want or free up your time and have more free time for your friends and your family and that kind of thing and realize the potential. And for me, productivity, which is sort of my key topic, productivity is the vehicle by which you can have a great life. If you can be more productive in anything with everything that you do at work, in your personal life, I think you can just unlock more potential. You can have a happier, more fulfilling life if you are more efficient efficient and effective in what you do. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Paul, thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks for giving us a peek inside your business and your course. And I can't wait to share this with everyone.
Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. All right, my friends, that is my time. Remember, before you can level up your course, you must first level up your mind. As always, thank you for hanging out with me for another great episode. I do not take it for granted. I am Janelle Allen, and this has been Level Up Your Course. Peace.